0: Good morning, Foyle Family Church. Would you stand up and shake hands with someone? And we're going to get into worship.
1: heart Lord Jesus your goodness beats everything else it's everything else in this world Jesus God you are so good God how could how could we compare you to anything else Jesus we just want more of you Lord we thank you Jesus. we thank you we just want to have this outpour of, of love onto you Lord Jesus we come before you this morning Lord Jesus, we thank you.
2: thank you Lord Lord we do father we give thanks to you we thank you for Jesus we thank you for all that you've done for us we thank you for who you are hallelujah we worship you we thank you we count our blessings name them one by one count our blessings see what God has done count your many blessings oh Lord we do Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been good to us. We look at all the ways that you've been good to us, that you've been faithful to us, and we thank you and we worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, our Father, that you're our Lord, you're our Savior, and you're also our friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, I was reading about it this morning, and I think it was that second song that they sang. It talked about, they said something about a friend. I don't remember it off the top of my head right now. You know, Abraham was a friend of God. There's a scripture in Proverbs. I think it's Proverbs 17:17. It says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Well, the greatest friend that there is is our Lord Jesus is our, and our Heavenly Father. He's our friend, hallelujah. He loves us at all times, wherever you are in life and whatever whatever you have done in the past, whatever you're going through right now, He never stops loving us or being there for us. Even in times of adversity, God is there even in a greater way. You know, I have found when the the Holy Spirit, He's the comforter. And when we need, the comforter means He is our helper. He's our standby. He's our strength. He's our advocate. Oh, there's three more. Our intercessor. Who else? Our standby, I think I said standby. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ernie, raise your hands now. Don't shout on in class. Anyway, there's seven, look it up. <laughs> but anyway, all those things that we need as our comforter. You know, I have found many times, you know, we don't sense the presence of God and it may seem like he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel very close. But thank God we know how to walk by faith. And in those times, we stay steady. In those times, we know he is our friend. He is there in times of adversity. He will never leave us. And we quote his word. I said something, you know, I I think it was Smith Smith Wigglesworth that said this. But he said, at the time you feel like you have the least faith, you have the most. If you're continuing to stand on the word, if you're continuing to declare the promises of God, when you have every negative feeling in the world and you choose to believe, you have the greatest faith then because you have no feeling that you're going on. You don't feel strong spiritually. You don't feel like preaching. You don't feel like shouting. But when we shout and we declare the word, in the darkest of night hallelujah he is faithful and and then there are times the comforter will rise up when you really need him he will rise up and give you grace and that which you need he is faithful hallelujah thank god for his presence lord thank you you're our friend you're our friend a friend loveth at all times And you are with us in adversity. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so, Lord, we thank you. We stand with each other. And we declare not only over ourselves, not only our families, but also our church family. We thank you, O Lord, for the victory that is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. We speak strength. We speak soundness, we speak healing, we speak peace, we speak joy and deliverance and all that is needed because it's wrapped up in Jesus. And he is in us and we are in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we will not fear and we will not be swayed. We will not look to the right or the left, but, oh, Lord, our gaze is upon you and you alone. Our hope is in you and in you alone. Our victory and joy is in you and you alone. Hallelujah. Thank you for the privilege that we have to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You've given us all we need as soldiers. You've given us the word of God. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us supernatural weapons to fight the good fight of faith. You haven't left us alone in this fight. But you've given us all that we need, and we thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. And we worship you. We worship the name of Jesus, our lovely Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Worthy is the lamb. Worthy are you, Lord. Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before you're seated, why don't you uh, love on several people give them a hug or a shake their hand and tell them your name if you don't know them we're going to dismiss the children at this time to kids church and uh, i don't know who's back there there should be somebody back there mr george is back there thank you mr george for those of you who are worshiping with us online Thank you for joining us today. Amen. We know you will be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Have to wait till all the loving is done. Take some people a while. That's okay. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. If you're worshiping with us today for the first time, uh, you can find in the seat in front of you a connect card if you wouldn't mind just filling that out. We'd just like a little bit of information about you, and uh, we would appreciate that. Also, any way that you want to communicate with us, you can use one of those connect cards and put it in the offering container as it goes by. Uh, my daughter was going to be here, and she in here right now, and she's not. But she's in kids' ministry. It's okay. You know, we don't make a big deal about birthdays around here. Do we really want to accentuate the fact, some of us? I think not. But some, especially when they turn 21... It's a big, fun deal. (laughs) You know, Paul, I'm gonna talk about you, don't you? Here's Paul right in the center aisle. Paul, wave your hand. There's Paul, it was his 21st birthday two days ago. Can you play happy birthday? You can't. All right. All right, let's sing happy birthday to Paul as you hear most people sing it in about three or four different keys and out of tune. Have you ever noticed? Yeah, they can never get this one note. They change keys every time. So I'm not saying I'm gonna keep you on track today. So (laughs) we'll just sing it like that. All right, ready, go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Paul. Happy birthday to you. Yay! Woo! Yay, Paul. (laughs) Happy birthday, Paul. He had a big bash last night. Amen. Uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, I want to encourage you to either listen to Pastor's Mike, Pastor Mike's message called Enduring Hardness. You can h- listen on our website on YouTube or Facebook, or you can order the CD back at the uh, bookstore. But if you weren't here, I encourage you to listen to that. It was a great message on enduring hardness. Amen. And then next Sunday, we're going to have our indoor church picnic after the morning service. And so uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, Invite a friend, and we're going to have a hot dog bar And then um, we just ask everybody to please bring either a side dish and or a dessert, and we'll have a great time of fellowship uh, together. Um, Men, you do have a a meeting coming up on August 21. Women, uh, our Bible study, we took a break for a few months, but we're going to be having it again this August 22nd, so put that on your calendar. Uh, Pastor Chip, uh, let me know this morning that Sarah McClaskey, that this is her, oh, she's looking like, what are you doing right now? You know, if Pastor Chip finds out, Jesus would have appeared to Pastor Chip because he knew that Pastor Chip would have told it told about it, and so Jesus appeared to people who tell it, and so he told us that you are going to be here, because he's going to be gone for five months on a missions trip with her school uh, to 12 different Country. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. And she's not the only one. Uh, Haley Martinick has done a similar thing. And then there have been others in our church. And I just happened to find out about this one in time. So, anyway, let's all just look at Sarah and we're just going to lift our hand toward her and we're just going to just declare the blessing of God over her. Is your friend going to go too? Yes? Okay, so both girls. All right. So, Father, we just thank you for these two girls and for their hearts to serve Jesus, and to serve others. Hallelujah. Could you be doing so many other different things at this time in their life, but instead they're choosing you. We thank you. Because of it, we know that they are blessed. We thank you for divine protection. We thank you for using them mightily. And we thank you, Lord, for teaching them. Guide their steps, order their steps every single day. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity to give. So if the ushers will come forward, there's offering envelopes in the chairs in front of you. And you know all the ways. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in us and among us today. You are good. You have been so good to us. We thank you that you've provided for us. We thank you that you take care of us. And Lord, it is with joy that we bring to you the first fruits of our increase, our tithes and our offerings. And we thank you, Lord, that you bless it, that you multiply it, and that all the needs in our church are met of all, all the people in our church, Father. We thank you for it. We rest in you. We thank you for the peace of God We thank you for protection, and provision, and peace. In Jesus' name, Amen.
3: This morning, would you stand and worship with us? As I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me, cause there's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Run. Oh. Yeah.
4: Let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down. I'm going to start with Mark chapter 5. But before that, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson, so to speak, concerning the four gospels. Matthew was the first gospel written. We don't know much about Matthew other than the fact that he was uh, part of the 12. He was a tax collector. Perhaps the most notable thing about Matthew was he had to have had an education. He had to be able to read and write And then Luke's account, Luke's gospel starts with a, a summation about what he's going to do. And he makes a statement uh, about uh, providing information concerning Jesus' ministry in order. He uses that phrase twice. And the, the only thing that, that we can think that, 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 that order means his chronological order, he, uh, he identifies that he was in a place of understanding so that that order would be something that he had witnessed to. But the Gospel of Mark, this Mark is also called John Mark in uh, the book of Acts. He was Barnabas' nephew And he went with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. But things got a little too tough for him, so he bailed out and went home. And so when Paul and and Barnabas were about to take their second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take Mark, John Mark. And there was such a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that they separated and they both went their own way in ministry. This is the author of the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark is recognized not as um, being instructive by the author, but rather the Gospel of Mark is recognized as a collection of things that Peter preached about Jesus and the things that happened in his earthly ministry. So we've got, by divine intervention, we've got um, an example of what Peter preached and how Peter went about his ministry. Mark chapter 5, in verse 1, And they came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately they met him one out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and, who, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces; neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, "What have we to? What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not." For he said unto him, or we should say. He had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto this mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out And it entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid." And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in capitalist how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now, there's a lot in this experience that, uh, that I think it would do us well to point out some things. Notice that the devils didn't want to be sent out of that country devil's evil spirits are territorial and Jesus acceded to their request and let them go into the swine and the first thing that they did immediately they destroyed the swine they destroyed this herd of 2,000 pigs So we see with absolute certainty what the purpose for these evil spirits were by their destruction of the, the herd of swine. And since they were there for the purpose of destroying whatever they could inhabit, why didn't they destroy the, the man or, a better way to say it is, they couldn't destroy the man. Now, there's a, the way that Jesus says this a couple of times is mentioned he that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. He wasn't possessed by 2,000 evil spirits, he was possessed by the one named Legion, and a part of the possession that he experienced was this other group. But however many there were, they could not override the man's will. I'm not sure what verse number it is. Let me see if I can get it. When the man came to Jesus, verse six, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now, who's doing that? This man is possessed of the devil, possessed of a devil named Legion. And I can't imagine that this devil would be interested in worshiping Jesus. But it says the man saw him afar off and ran and worshiped him. Folks, even in the greatest, most extreme situations where somebody is possessed of the devil, the devil can never overtake or overrun or override the will of the individual Now, something else about this, the devils have something on their mind. The first thing they talk to Jesus about is their time of torment. They cried out, verse 7, they cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. That must be the, the evil spirit named Legion it's saying that another thing we see in mark chapter 5 verse 8 jesus had already said to him come out of the man thou unclean spirit and he didn't know it. he did not obey then jesus asked him what is thy name and he answered saying my name is legion for we are many There's a very distinct differentiation between the possessing spirit and the others. When the 2000... Herd of pigs were destroyed. Verse 14 says, They that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. There's that phrase again. He was possessed with the devil and had the legion. Sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. This guy was so well known in that area that when the news came of these strange happenings, They all ran out to where this cemetery was, where this man was living. And here they see the answer to the problems that they've had with this guy. And notice one of the things, the characteristics about this guy that the Bible tells us is supernatural strength he had been chained many times he had been in fetters many times but the chains were had been plucked asunder and the fetters had been broken so they couldn't keep they couldn't even keep the guy confined now we've got another story in the bible in the old testament about Samson who operated in the power of God and the power of God that was manifested in him was supernatural strength. One of the things it said that he did was he carried away the gates to the city that tried to hem him in and keep him from going where he wanted to go. Now, folks, I'm not sure how you can carry away gates, city gates, But some way or another, he did it. Now, here's the devil mimicking the power of God. Both individuals are operating in supernatural strength. But their purpose is not the same. But here's a man, Jesus, who sets that region free from the the bondage of this one man living in a graveyard. Now Paul writes to the Thessalonians, about things that will take place in the end times. And one of the things he says that the devil will do is lying wonders. And he talks about that taking place through the Antichrist. Now, how would we, if we saw these two things side by side, Samson's supernatural strength and this man with an unclean spirit has the same kind of strength. Jesus said that you can tell what's what by the fruit that things produce. In other words, when we see signs and wonders. We're not supposed to just look at the signs and the wonders itself. We're supposed to look at the fruit that it brings so that we don't be taken away with the wrong things. And I have no doubt, but that uh, the operation, that kind of operation, will increase more and more before Jesus comes. And the work of the devil, to deceive will be greatly enhanced by the ignorance of believers around the world. Now, when the people came out of the city to see what was done, they see that they're no longer under assault by this guy they see he's different he's sitting and he's clothed but their question is not to Jesus how did you do this or what does this mean they were simply afraid and tried to get Jesus away from them Now the Bible tells us that this happened in Decapolis. Decapolis literally means ten cities, and this was a part of the Roman assimilation. The Roman Empire was at its nearly at its big as its biggest point in time. And as Rome had conquered so much of the world, they were constantly aware of people that were starting rebellions against Rome. And so one of the things that they would do in a new area that they conquered was that they would establish cities In this case, it was 10. In other places in the world, it was a different number. But they did this so that the Roman culture would be spread after the military engagements were completed. And Jesus, later in his earthly ministry, curses Decapolis and won't go there or minister in the cities. But I want you to take notice how that many times people fail to take part in the victory that God provides for them because of their fear. They were afraid of what Jesus Would do. And so they asked him to leave their country. And he did. Now, the man that was delivered asked Jesus to go with him in his earthly ministry. But Jesus refuses and tells him to go back to his friends and tell them what things have taken place and the goodness of God shown to him. Now I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all of Syria. And they brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torment. And those which which were possessed with devils. And those which were lunatic. And those which had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis. And from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Now this is still in the early stages of Jesus' ministry. I think we'd be safe to say that it's within the first year of his ministry. I don't know how we could nail it down any tighter than that. But I want you to see what happened as a result of the man that was delivered in, Matthew, in Mark chapter five. He went home and told his friends what Jesus said to do, the goodness that was of God that was shown unto him. And the result was great multitudes from the capitalists came looking for Jesus and following him diligently. Folks, the power of a testimony of something like this that's described in Matthew, in Mark chapter five. The kind of testimony that this man was delivered from demonic possession was something that changed his country. They went from being afraid and asking him to leave to being willing to leave their homes and go wherever they could to be with him, to be with Jesus. Jesus. These people that made up the multitude from Decapolis wind up being a part of the company that Jesus feeds with the, five, the crowd of 5,000 that he feeds with the loaves and the fishes, multiplying the loaves and fishes. It didn't change the fact that the cities were cursed by Jesus, but the people weren't cursed. The people that were willing to commit their lives to the things that Jesus said and brought about in his ministry, his earthly ministry, go from being ones that are trying to get rid of Jesus to ones that are willing to follow him through extremely difficult and circumstances where they left their homes and followed Jesus. And in the case of the 5,000, those people had followed Jesus for three days without food and water before the miracle took place. If we go back and look at people that God used, we see the story of Moses. Now we know the high points of Moses' life. He wound up Growing up in Pharaoh's household rather than being destroyed like the king had commanded. At the time that Moses is 80 years old, he's had to flee Egypt because he killed the Egyptian taskmaster that was mistreating two Israelites. And it became known what he did, and so he had to flee from his home and his kin. He winds up being a shepherd for the priests of Midian, And at age 80, God appears to him in a bush that burns with fire but doesn't burn up. And he tells Moses to go back to Pharaoh. It's a different Pharaoh at that point in time. But he sends him back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now Moses argues with the Lord quite a bit about doing it, about doing what God was calling him to do. And finally, God asks Moses what he has in his hand. Moses responds to something that the Lord had previously told him by asking what power is available to him to, do the, to bring the plagues upon the Egyptians. And Jesus asks him, what's in your hand? And he says, a rod, just a shepherd's staff. So he tells him to throw it down on the ground, and he does, and it turns into a snake. And Moses runs from the snake. The Lord then told him to take it by the tail, And he does, and it turns back into a stick again. But then the Lord puts him in position to bring these plagues to pass. And each of these plagues are directed at one of the false gods of Egypt. But God does some phenomenal things to override the law of physics in the earth. I would imagine that if we asked how many of us here believe that God's the creator of the earth, I'm guessing everybody, if not Well, most everybody, if not everybody, would raise their hand and say, Yeah, I believe that. But there's a big difference in believing that God created the earth and understanding what being the creator of the earth means when it comes to the law of physical, the the physical laws of nature. Folks, God's word changed physical properties of matter. Dust became gnats. Now, the first couple of plagues, Pharaoh's sorcerers were able to do some of the same things. They were able to turn the Nile River into blood, just like Moses did. They were able to bring frogs up from the the Nile River. But there came a point where after the, I think it was after the third plague that God separated the children of Israel that lived in the land of Goshen so that none of the plagues would affect them, only the Egyptians. Now, Moses had grown up witnessing certain signs and wonders that were done by the magicians in Pharaoh's court. but it hadn't produced in him the knowledge of God's power or the ability of God. Yet we have another story in the Old Testament where you've got Daniel and his three friends that were taken captive and brought to King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, palace after Israel was conquered by Babylon and these four young men decided that they would not disobey God's law any longer in the foods that they ate and the things that were given to them Daniel went to the Schoolmaster, so to speak and told him that the food that they were given was against God's law to, and forbidden to eat and so they come up with a plan to just eat oatmeal or something similar for 10 days and then the schoolmaster could look at see how they responded and they appeared stronger than everybody else that was in the school. And so they then gained position or permission, I should say, to eat only the things that were prescribed as fit under the law of Moses. Now these four young people over a period of time were called into question why they wouldn't bow down and worship the statue, the golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar made of himself. And because they found God and experienced God's power in the food that they ate, they built upon that. And Daniel survived the lion's den by the power of God. And then the other three Hebrew children were the ones that were cast into the burning fiery furnace and survived. Now in the burning fiery furnace God changed the physical properties of certain things. One of the things that Nebuchadnezzar said when they when he was looking in the furnace after he had thrown them in. They had been bound, tied up, but they were walking freely without any bonds or the things that that they had been tied up with had burned away from them. But the fire hadn't been changed. You may remember that that he put his mightiest men in charge of throwing them into the fire and because the fire had been heated up so many times beyond normal the heat at the doorway to the furnace killed the mightiest men that Nebuchadnezzar had because of the the increased heat well the physical properties of the fire hadn't changed then it killed the soldiers that were throwing them in but the physical properties of their bodies and their clothing had all been changed Now, to contrast the difference between Moses being afraid of the sign of power that was given to him, which was the stick that would turn into a snake. Now, as I said, the sorcerers. Through occult practices of some type, were able to do the same things with their sticks. But the snake that came from Moses' staff ate up the sorcerer's snakes and consumed them. I don't know about you, but I would think that Moses would look at so much of his life as being wasted before he finally yielded to the things that God had for him to do. Starting over at age 80, might bring some doubts and questions. But these young boys who started believing in God's commandment and committed their lives to keeping the law of Moses wound up experiencing things without going through the the fear that Moses experienced. Those, if you look at the world, Christianity in this world, it would seem that a lot of people think that just giving God part of your life is what he has in mind. But Jesus paid too high a price to just get part of you or part of me. Or we could look at it this way, perhaps. If Jesus gave the same focus or attention in the same measure that many Christians give to him and his word, I don't think God's plan of redemption would have worked out the way that it was supposed to. I believe that where we are on God's timeline concerning Jesus coming back and the rapture of the church or our being gathered together unto him, I'm of the opinion, you judge it for yourself, but I'm of the opinion that it's more important to be completely sold out to God today than it ever has been. God as being the creator of the heavens and the earth is in a position to change every physical law of nature or any physical law of nature that's needed to be changed. Jesus walked on the water to catch up to the disciples in the ship that they were in in the middle of a storm. Did he change the properties of water? Or did he change just the little place where Jesus stepped to provide firm footing for him? We've already mentioned the multiplying of the loaves and the fishes. Jesus changed the physical properties of the fish in the multiplication process in some way or another. I'm believing for the kind of miracles that changed the country as it did with the capitalists. Now, to God, a small miracle is the same thing as a big miracle. It doesn't take greater power or a greater measure of God's power to perform what we would consider a greater miracle. And if you look in Paul's ministry, as identified in the book of Acts, The typical way that his ministry in a new city would go is that he would start off in a new city in the synagogues and he would talk to them about the law of Moses until it weighed on him at some point, at some point in time to start identifying Jesus as the Messiah. Now, in most cases, that would put an end to Paul's ministering in the synagogues any longer. And so he would be left to find other venues or places to continue to teach And this would take place usually between something like 12 to 18 months. There would be some major miracle that would take place in that city. And that would turn the city upside down one way or the other. Either turn it upside down to run Paul and Silas out of the city that they were ministering in or turn the city upside down to cause the city to come to know Jesus. I wonder if God wants to do that kind of thing today. We know that he wanted to do that kind of thing during Paul's day. And if he wanted it then and God never changed it, why would we not expect that he would do the same thing today? I think that's the kind of thing we need to prepare ourselves for. When I say prepare ourselves, I mean through the knowledge of his word and through prayer. Now, I know that not all miracles are done in church. In fact, most of the miracles that took place in Paul's day were not in a church. It was a little different for Jesus because a lot of the things that he did, he did on the Sabbath day or in church services to teach people the character and the nature of God and to prove to them God was not bound By any day of the week, or prohibited by the Sabbath day. But I believe that's what we're on the edge of having. Father, we love you. Your word says, Lord, that in this day you will lift the burden off of our shoulders, and you will take the take the yoke off our necks, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Therefore, Father, we believe we receive the kind of anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage off of your people. We believe that we receive the anointing of God to do the works of Jesus, to set people free, bring deliverance to it, the kind of anointing that breaks the yoke from off of our necks. Thank you, Father, for doing great miracles. Thank you, Father, for setting your people free. Bless you, Holy Father. Holy Father. There are things on the inside of me that I can't yet get out. I have seen this church Experiencing miracles. And it changed everybody here. I've seen an excitement. For people to come to church. Unlike anything we've ever witnessed. I've seen the expectancy in a vision. I have seen the expectancy for miracles. And it changes everybody here. Father, we thank you for what you've shown us. But Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing to bring it to pass. Thank you, Father, for bringing great multitudes of people To hear and see the power of God. As it was in Jesus' ministry, that people come from far and wide, bringing the sick and those which are influenced by the devil, that we might see the healing power of God at work in our day, just as it worked in Jesus' day. We believe that we receive the anointing that breaks the yoke. In Jesus' mighty name. Say it with me. I believe in miracles. I believe we will experience miracles and miracles of healing. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you for being part of our family.